0: Hey guys, I'm Jonathan Hilliard from Connects Media and host of Atlanta Born and Bred. We understand that many of you are struggling and we want to help the community of business owners we have grown to know and love over the last two years. Right now, we're all in a season of uncertainty with the virus and the small businesses in our community need your support more than ever. Today, we're gonna to spotlight Jody Stevenson of Tree. We caught up with Jody last week on an IG live chat And she let us know very specific ways you can help Tree and the community get through this time. Hey, everybody. It's been a while. Uh, Jonathan Hilliard here. I hope everybody is doing well, staying safe, um, and is healthy. I know we've had a lot of folks um, that are just having a hard time. So we wanted to uh, start a little thing today and... I've got a special guest uh, and that special guest is Jody Stevenson
1: hey Jonathan
0: <laughs> hey Jody how are you
1: I'm doing well how are you doing
0: I'm doing very well very um very fortunate everybody that um, you know is close to me is healthy which is uh, I think all we can ask for right now because I know everybody is facing stuff um, everyone's affected in one, one way or another by COVID 19. I know you guys are no different. Um, Jody was on the show, I think, maybe middle of season one now. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little bit. But Jody is the founder of Sittertree. And Jody, if you can just take a minute and update us on what's going on with Sittertree right now, how have you guys been affected uh, by COVID 19 and, and what has happened since, you know, sort of three weeks ago when everything sort of started happening?
1: Yeah, well, thanks so much, first of all, for having us <laughs> on again. Um, and I'm glad to be able to um, update everyone. But I did want to say, congratulations to you. I saw that someone in your family lost their training wheels this week. Also, as you've been, ha- right. everyone has extra time at home. That's and I felt right. like I was watching this video like, yeah, <laughs>
0: Corona accomplishment. So, I know. So, That's
1: right. Um, yeah, big. but I mean, it's, it's been such a um, roller coaster of ups and downs because literally um, the beginning of March, Sittertree was at our peak in um, the uh, highest numbers that we've ever booked. We had just made an offer to a new marketing director. Um, we, we were poised to scale, and then a pandemic was declared. And so um, within days, I just watched hundreds and hundreds of jobs be canceled, which one part of that is obviously sales for us as a business, but also that means that jobs for all of these, uh, mostly young women in the Atlanta area, college students just vanished overnight. And so it didn't take long. The first couple of days you're, you're just kind of watching this, um, the slew of cancellations come in. And um, then you start, I started getting messages from the sitters, you know, like what am I, how am I supposed to pay my rent? Um, what am I supposed to do for work? And so immediately my mind kind of goes into what's the pivot here that we can keep, you know, these sitters working and, you know, there's daily changes in the safety protocols, daily new information about, um, you know, safety that we all need to be taking, um, the stay at home order, the quarantining, you know, like all of these new terms were just like, I'm sure like you've seen with other people, they're just flooding in and you're just trying to grapple with, how do you handle them? How do you translate them? And how do you safely push them back out um, to nearly a 1000 sitters also just um, to make sure that they're safe, the families are safe. So I I mean, it was just, um, I won't say a crushing amount, but a near crushing amount of information coming in. Um, And then right, I mean, really, the ray of light that has um, uh, several rays of light that have happened was, were that uh, the first one was one of our families um, referred us to Piedmont Healthcare. So it's an existing Sittertree family. She's a medical professional. Um, she told her HR department they were having, um, you know, as you can imagine with schools closed, an enormous amount of backup care needs. And right. um, their HR department called us and I said, absolutely, we've got an army of sitters ready and willing to work. And so all of a sudden, um, Sittertree partners with Piedmont Healthcare and now we're able to serve their healthcare providers in Athens, Fayetteville, Covington, even Columbus, Georgia, which also means that all of those sitters who didn't have jobs, any sitter that was working for Sittertree who wants a job can now have a job, Um, which is amazing just with the quantity of jobs that are able to come in for for the sitters. Um, and the second thing that happened was Jackson Spaulding, a um, communications company in Atlanta, immediately they, they worked with Grady and they heard of the need, the same urgent childcare need at Grady, and they said, We want to make a connection. We want to buy uh, Sitterbucks gift cards
0: uh,
1: to, to help Grady stuff be able to book childcare. And all of a sudden, um, you know, they made this first purchase of gift cards and then other community members started purchasing them, other uh, communities of faith and congregations. And so in about two weeks, we had $11,000 in gift cards, which is almost like a thousand hours of childcare purchased. So, you know, like all of these different moving pieces um, have been incredible to see uh, the whole village, the whole community, the whole city of Atlanta kind of come together. (laughs) Um, to say we want to do what we can, we want to do it safely, we care about the sitters, we care about the families, um, and we definitely want to provide for the medical professionals. So we're just continuing on um, to continue to provide. Right now we're providing child care for essential needs for medical professionals. Um, quite honestly, we would love if more community members want to purchase gift cards because it is such a joy on my end for someone to sign up and to be able to tell them, hey, we'd like to give you $100, $150 gift card towards your, your next child care. And as long as supplies last, the medical professionals can keep using the gift cards. Um, and even, uh, you know, we'll take care of your membership, your booking fee. So it's uh, just zero cost to you to sign up and have reliable child care at your home while you
0: are on the front lines. Amazing. And I know as a community, we owe so much to the, the health care providers that are just, um, they're doing things that aren't in their jobs descriptions right now. And they're putting mm-hmm. themselves, um, you know, like you said, that they are the front lines. And so um, you kind of touched on it already, but things that we can do as a community, both to support Tree and to support that community buy gift cards. I'm sure you guys are still looking to, to continue to add to that stockpile uh, uh, gift cards for the healthcare workers. But how else can we, can we help you guys and help that, that effort?
1: Yeah, um, well, share it with friends, share it with your uh, community of faith. Again, congregations have been looking for ways to help. And I think that's such an easy way I mean any the, the the church as a whole the um, synagogue as a whole can go online and purchase the gift cards um, but that really has been the primary um, way that people can really tangibly get involved again um, by helping the medical professionals
0: sure and Jody you have a, a unique context to this because I know as, as business owners you know when the the first thing that we think about when this happens and shutdowns start being talked about is okay how do i take care of my employees you have a group of employees but you are also a business that and i'm not sure exactly how you guys are set up but the number of contractors that you work with is just enormous Mm -hmm. and as a small business owner um you know contractors prior to this pandemic were not eligible for unemployment benefits so what were the um, kind of worries that you had on the front end, and how have you seen or, or uh, advised the folks that, that worked for you to sort of w- uh, weather this storm and, and get through this this crisis?
1: Yeah, you know, I, it was a process of discovery, but I have really um, come to see um, that Sitter tree sitters, like we, instead of like everyone dispersing, it was, we have a private Facebook group where there's a lot of communication. The level of engagement in that group during this time, um, just in matter of like, we're checking in with you, we're keeping um, our sitters up to date of every single step we were taking every conversation we were taking to try to find them more jobs. And I really felt like, um, you know, for contractors, you do really, oftentimes you feel like they're independent contractors. So they're not really cared for You know, like, when you're out of the job, you're out of luck. Um, But I really felt like the sitters, Felt the care and concern of the coordinators in just reaching out to make sure they were okay, but then also there was a, a direct um, line of communication that the sitters could ask us questions that they they were just curious about as well, especially with regards to safety. Um, one of the benefits of the hospitals partnering with us is that we could communicate with this massive group of child care providers all at once, yeah. um, and so as sitters were kind of communicating their own safety concerns, we were able to align those with the safety concerns of the medical professionals and the families and their children, even so much as so that everyone takes their temperature before any job. Um, You know, we we aligned our safety protocols with Piedmont um, so that it's not just the family and the child and the parent that is feeling cared for, but all of our sitters who are contractors, who maybe they would only take a handful of jobs in a month Um, with us before, but they still feel like um, we are kind of going before them in every arrangement we're making, we're communicating what we're doing. um, And they know that, you know, this is this is out there for you. And so we're going to make this we're going to do extra work to make sure that um, if you need a job, you might need to drive a little bit farther right now. But we're going to make sure that um, we get you as many job opportunities as
0: possible. How have your sitters responded to this? I know the initial panic of, okay, where's my word coming from? But, yeah. you know, you're asking more of them, like you just said, maybe you have to drive a little farther or, you know, you're you're going to have to, uh, I'm sure the average amount of time that your sitters are spending, um, you know, these are 12 hour shifts sometimes yeah. we're talking about for nurses. So that's a, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a full day. How has your, your team of sitters responded?
1: They have been absolute champs. I mean, we're at 100% five star ratings, which tells me the families are saying these women are just, you know, doing women and men. We have have just a handful of male sitters, but um, the families are just giving such positive feedback. And we have heard zero complaints from the sitters. Um, In the beginning, when all the cancellations were happening, I feel like um, the coordinators did a great job of if sitters did have to cancel, they would waive cancellation fees, of course, just to say, you need to do what you feel safe um, doing. Um, but I just feel like they've responded so well. And they, you know, there's an element of, yeah, they need jobs, but also um, they are the people behind the medical professionals right now, allowing the medical professionals to go to work and do their jobs. So, and the centers recognize this, you know, like they, they um, they're, I mean, I think that putting in the extra long days and the extra long drives, they recognize that by doing that, they're enabling a doctor, a nurse, a janitor, an administrative um, personnel at a hospital to be in a place that that they are really needed right now.
0: Sure. And in the world where it feels like we're so helpless in so many ways and locked inside a building, I'm sure that any opportunity you know, uh, the, the sitters have to help. Uh, they're, they're really
1: enjoying that
0: being, being able to get out and, and do their part. So thank you, first of all, for initially thinking of that pivot and, you know, out of out of a little bit of panic, I'm sure, but also out of a, a good heart yeah. that I know uh, exists within you. So as a community, we're thankful for Sitter Tree. We're thankful for you, Jody. Um, keep us updated. Let us know if anything changes and, and if we can help as a community. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to, to update us today.
1: Thanks so much, Jonathan. I so appreciate, and I've said this to you before, but Atlanta born and brand, you really feel like you're kind of like our advocate out in the city and for small businesses. So it means a lot. And I appreciate you inviting us back to, to share about what we're doing.
0: Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. We've got a, a lot of work to do around the city and, and, uh, we're happy to have you alongside us, Judy. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Okay. Right. Bye. If you know of a small business in need of help at this time, please share their story with us. Use the hashtag LiftATL2020. We are building a database of social media posts, graphics, and audio clips for you to download, share, and use how you see fit. We hope all of you will latch onto this cause and share the needs of those in our community. For more information, visit LiftATL2020.com. we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and those brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. For a lot of people, college is the time where they set the stage for their entire career. Jody Stevenson was doing just that, but she didn't necessarily know it yet. On this episode, Jody tells us how she built a babysitting business in her college dorm room and nearly 20 years later has impacted the lives of countless college students and young families all over Atlanta. This is the story of Sittertree.
1: Sittertree is a scheduling and assignment app for young moms. and We have the most rigorous uh, babysitting vetting process in the industry, and we make it possible for moms to request mom-rated sitters whenever they need them, um, and we take care of the rest.
0: We just talked in the in the coffee shop, but you're not a Georgia native, but like a couple of guests we've already had, you are from Ohio.
1: Yeah, the so. Midwest uh, produces really hard-working people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say yeah. a little bit of the hustle, and so sure. um, like I started working when I was 14, and wow. so I had like three jobs through high school like at hmm. the same time, and mm-hmm. so was always driven to, to work. And yeah. then like we started saving, my mom had to save for our college education from 14. You had to save a thousand dollars every summer before you could spend any of your summer like job money. And so then once you got to, once we got to school, we were, we were responsible for all of our own spending money. So I came to school at Oglethorpe right. um, in Atlanta and then, you know, knowing that I needed to make my own money. I worked at work study in the library okay. and um, I think at the time I was making like six twenty-five an hour. Hmm. <laughs> it's like um, a lot of checking out books and sure. so I just really was kind of bored and so What used to happen before Facebook, because this is in like 99, 2000, um, moms would come to schools and they would post a flyer and it would have all these like tear off tabs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I need a babysitter, here's my number. So I um, started taking some of the tabs and calling the parents um, and eventually I would just take down the whole poster so Mm -hmm. that no one else could take the babysitting jobs. (laughs) So I was babysitting for a ton of families at Oglethorpe and then um, so there's a competitive
0: streak there i mean you know some that. would say
1: some yeah. would say yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> um, yeah so then after i started babysitting then i would have my friends so like we also know you know in addition to fa- no facebook we had landlines you know like you plug mm-hmm. it into the wall actually right sure. you, re- you remember this I do. Um, and so people would call i had two landlines in my dorm room so people would call into my dorm room book a sitter like parents would leave me a message. And then I would actually, you know, farm the job out to some other student mm-hmm. who would then slip me $5 in an envelope through the
0: campus mailbox system.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Oglethorpe, thank you. Thank you for all the $5 checks that got made it to my mailbox. So That's
0: yeah, so cool. So first, tell me why Atlanta and why Oglethorpe for you?
1: So why Atlanta is Mm -hmm. that I am from the big metropolis of Sandusky, Ohio. You may have seen it if you're a Tommy Boy fan. Um, (laughs) And so my mom actually had encouraged me, like, just try something new outside of Ohio, outside of the small town. Um, And um, I had, you know, seen Georgia Tech, actually. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Um, So I came on a college visit and... um, toured Oglethorpe's campus and fell in love with just the beauty of the campus. If anyone's ever been to Brookhaven and seen the campus, it's gorgeous. Um, And then the beauty of the really large closets. (laughs) (laughs) So I was 18 and making this massive decision on my own. Um, My mom at the time was sick. And so my parents weren't with me on the college visit. And so made that decision. And honestly, like I have discovered since then, I'm a bit of an introvert. So a small campus with small class sizes where you really get a lot of interaction with the, the professors really was perfect for it was me. For you. Yeah. And then also the, the campus really supported, so I'm an entrepreneur and I've started a number of different things. And so they would always support me doing, like I hosted dinners for students just to have discussions around um, interesting topics. And yeah. like they would fund, you know, the, the student uh, activities would pay for the cost of the dinner and all of that. And so they just did a number of things to really support what I was doing, and even still, they continue to support Tree and, you know, making sure that other students on campus have access to it.
0: You begin to corner the the babysitting market at Oglethorpe University. Mm -hmm. Does it it have a name at this point? Did you have a plan for it? Did you think, hey, we've got some legs here? Just how big was this getting while you were in school?
1: So I was definitely not thinking of doing this long-term. It was called the playgroup okay. uh, because moms would talk about it at the playgroups where they went with sure. other moms, right? And they were passing it around as like, the. I guess it came up as one of the must-have items for new moms. And so pretty soon these different playgroups and these mothers of multiples clubs, hmm. um, you know, started passing the name around. Um, and I would honestly take as many jobs as I could um, and then – I think it was about a year into it before I actually thought, I'm booking. I had this like Excel document where I'm writing, you know, doing all these bookings. I had note cards with all the parents' names written on it. Yes. And I thought, I'm doing all these jobs. I should, I should like write a letter to the parents and tell them that I'm gonna charge them. So I wrote this two or three page letter. Um, I used to send them just all the names of the sitters, but I wrote this two to three page letter and said, You're gonna have to pay me $40 a year and I'll book your sitters and I can still remember the first check that I got from Katie Barksdale (laughs) and I was like that's crazy all I had to do was ask and now I've got $40 to do this booking so um that's kind of how it started.
0: So you got the check from Katie Barksdale but did you get any angry uh None of them.
1: Moms were like, pay for babysitters? Yes. And Katie actually, uh, since then, has told me that she thought I had thousands of members and (laughs) she was just one more parent, you know, that just had a trustworthy option for babysitters.
0: So So by the time you finished school, did this go on throughout the time you were in school?
1: It did. And so by the time I graduated, over 10% of the campus was babysitting. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, and then I actually. It was, especially consider no Facebook. I mean, try to bring yourself back in a world without social Mm -hmm. media. Um, And it really was um, connecting with students on campus. And um, college students, obviously, that's the one thing they need is flexible income. And so there were other students in my... Oglethorpe is is a really diverse school with a lot of first-generation college students. So that that is synonymous with people who need to work while they're in school so that they're not having massive amounts of debt. Mm -hmm. Um, even for myself, I was an RA I applied for scholarships. I was doing all this, but babysitting at the time I was earning 12 to $20 an hour babysitting. And this is in, again, this is almost 20 years ago now. Wow. So yeah,
0: that's impressive. So, well, and you also had the benefit being at Oglethorpe, your, your kind of pool of sitters, just the fact that you're a student in Oglethorpe is going to come with some immediate credibility and a trust factor with the families, I would imagine. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially in Brookhaven. Like sure. all of the historic Brookhaven area, really. Um, all the way through um, up to Sandy Springs in, the, in that area. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a parent and you're in a new city and you don't have access to a college campus, where, how do you get out of your house? Yeah. Like that really, that problem, <laughs> I'm
0: like, I don't even know how, what parents yeah. do, do to, in order to, to solve that. Eventually, your time at college is going to come to a close. Does the business kind of go by the the wayside for a while while you kind of figuring out what's next? So I, um, upon graduation, I had made a decision to move to Malawi
1: in um, Central Africa, and wow. Um, one of my babysitters, her name is Jenny Triplett. She's now a PhD and um, was phenomenal. She had—I remember one semester she made over nine thousand dollars babysitting. I mean, she was crazy good at it. Yeah. And so I said, "Do you want to run, you know, the playgroup?" And so she was a year behind me. So she said, "Sure." So I basically passed it off to her while I moved to Malawi. That's great. Um, I would check in occasionally by email. I didn't even really have great internet access. Um, but then I would—I was able to get a little money off the top. But still, I was not thinking of this. I was just kind of like, I don't want to shut it down and disappoint the parents. Sure. Um, and it's still going, so maybe I'll make a few thousand dollars off of it. Uh, that was kind of my mentality at the time. And so Jenny took it over. She grew it even more. Um, and then I had several other students after Jenny graduated where I would just kind of pass it down and we really relied only on Oglethorpe students yeah. until about uh, 2010. and during that time, like about 2003 to 2010, I was living and working in Malawi, Uganda, Sierra Leone uh, with a, with a company that with an organization that worked with children like internationally. So sure. I was bopping in and out. The students were kind of running it. it was not really growing, but it was just kind of doing what it always did.
0: With her babysitting company still thriving in Brookhaven, Jodi set out on a new adventure, one that took her halfway across the world to Sub-Saharan Africa. What started as a short-term plan quickly became a new mission for the purpose-driven college graduate.
1: I joined an organization um, called Children of the Nations, Mm -hmm. and they were working in the time I actually signed up to move to Sierra Leone, and Sierra Leone had just come out of a civil war, so they assigned me to move to Malawi. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved there and was, so okay, I'm 22 at the time. Mm -hmm. I had never traveled to any developing country of any point, of any kind, um, and I was the only one of all of their Malawian staff even who had a driver's license <laughs> and so I spent a year and it was really like they worked with uh, Malawi had a high number of orphans that had come out of an HIV crisis right. at that point right. and So I worked with them basically helping to set up systems. I did everything from an accounting system to um, helping as they were building um, huts to house visitors and um, at doing an addition to a wing of one of the homes uh, for a girl's wing. Um, so I really did a little bit of everything, which I love. I, I had before graduating college, I had worked in an accounting firm and just I can remember going, it was one of the at the time, the the, final, the big five accounting firms. Right. And I remember going up to escalator thinking, uh, one day on the way to work thinking you cannot pay me a million dollars a day to do this for the rest of my life. Like it was just so excruciating yeah. for me to be doing the same thing, going to a little cubicle. And, sure. um, so when I, uh, when I had the opportunity to move to Malawi and kind of be on this adventure, not knowing anyone, um, just kind of boots on the ground and getting to be with all these kids and, yeah. uh, the adventure of it really just, um, kind of won my heart over. So that's what I did for the next seven years with children of the
0: nations. Now, a lot of people, I feel like there's a common story in a lot of people that they go and they do that for six months or they do that for a year, but seven years, like that's a big chunk of your life. Was that always the plan or is that just kind of how it worked out once you got there?
1: Um, you know, it's kind of how it worked out. I, d- I signed up for six months and then went on to do it for a year. But part of my personality also is that I don't let things go easily, mm-hmm. which is the perseverance or the grit, whatever you want to call that, to... You know, sometimes, especially with some of the things I've started, I should have let them go sooner. I've got some great examples of that. (laughs) I'm a recovering letter goer. Um, So I think part of it was uh, that I had built these incredible relationships. I'm still in touch today with so many of the kids, and now that Facebook is there, like these these quote unquote kids are now 15 years older, and I've seen them get married, have kids of their own, and these are you know going and have that, having that relationship with a child, especially like a child that was orphaned and then Hmm. getting to be part of their life over 15 years. Um, there's just few things like that. So I, I definitely, that's one of those things that I'm like, I'm glad I didn't let it go. But eventually when the time came for me to like leave children of the nations, Hmm. um, it was a hard departure, but it was, you know, the next step in my journey.
0: So that, that time comes and you come back to Atlanta, not Ohio. Why back to Atlanta? Did you have aspirations that, okay, I'm going to come back and kind of take that next step with what became Tree or were there some steps in between?
1: So funny thing, you remember Katie Barksdale. Right. Um, she has a family foundation here in Atlanta, and um, she said, I actually would like to start working in sub-Saharan Africa. Will you take me there? So um, again, first babysitting client, and um, I said, Sure. So we went to Malawi because obviously Mm -hmm. I had a a lot of experience there. And then we went to Sierra Leone because I'd had some experience and she wanted to see a post-conflict country. Um, But Katie said, I really want someone to help me with my foundation work and start working internationally. Will you help me do that? And I said, well, actually, I've got this thing, you know, tree on the side that I really would like to, to grow But obviously, my passion for seven years has been working in Sub-Saharan Africa. Are you okay if I do both of these? And (laughs) she said, absolutely. Um, And Katie herself always has kind of worked with entrepreneurs as well. Her brothers are entrepreneurs. And so um, I still work with Katie. (laughs) um, And I still, we actually do a lot of work in Sierra Leone and rural communities there. And she, um, and then she has also been supportive of the work with Sittertree to continue. Um, so funny thing, when I came back, and then when I decided that I, I was still kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with what became Tree, and I met um, a friend who, his name is Jed Strange, and he heard, he said, so you're doing this, he's an entrepreneur also, and he said, so wait a minute, you've got this babysitting thing, how, how much time do you spend on it? You're going back and forth to Sierra Leone, and I said, well, I spent about 10 to 15 minutes a week on it because I'm really just assigning jobs and literally, I would be in Sierra Leone, holding my phone above my head to get reception, <laughs> <laughs> taking a call from a mom about a babysitter. She ha- she would have no idea that I am the in lunar, rural Sierra Leone, nine thousand miles. Uh, yeah, away. It's, yeah, but it worked. You know, I mean, it did. It million. was odd hours because there's a time difference, <laughs> and so I would roll over in my watch room and say hi, Mrs. Smith, good morning, you know, like, uh, or whatever time it, and so um, he said, that's incredible, I think it's scalable, and he actually, so he became my first uh, partner investor in it, and so that's when I said, well, now I can take my list of items that I wanted to build with the website and Mm -hmm. expand on those.
0: (laughs) Um, Now you have somebody else's money to spend. Yes, and it was
1: really amazing what you can do when you have someone else's money, so um, I did a... I think it was 25 pages of bullet, single-line bullet-pointed this is what I would want it to do, hmm. um, and found a developer that said, I can help start this. I mean, pages, when 20, people... Yeah. I now tell people when I'm like going to work with them, especially yeah. men, I'm like, I just want you to know... That I'm extremely (laughs) detail oriented. And that's a criticism of like female entrepreneurs that they take too long to perfect things. So I really always have to kind of guard against myself waiting till it's to my level of satisfaction and I have to kind of push it out earlier. But um, I've been working with the same two, a web developer and designer for the last five years. Hmm. And they are a dream because they understand now how I work. They speak the language now. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they let me like do it to the level of detail, even if it's, you know, moving something centering it, left align it, you know, like doing sure. all the different minor tweaks. Um, sure. uh, so yeah, but we actually have accomplished those 25 pages and more. <laughs> so That's, they've, they've, there you
0: go. Set goals and sometimes you hit them. <laughs> yeah. Jody returned to Atlanta and began attacking a massive to-do list to prepare her babysitter booking company for a rebrand and relaunch. The company officially launched its website in October of 2014 and has since completed over 25,000 babysitting jobs. They're on pace to complete over 40,000 by the end of this year, but there were a number of questions her team had to answer early on to separate them from a sea of other app-based babysitting services.
1: Knowing the difference between what you should automate and what you should not automate Mm -hmm. has always been essential because I didn't just want to scale I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, we launched a babysitting app. We've got so many users. And for me, it's not about launching an app. It's about providing quality childcare at scale right. for families. And so I wasn't willing to either, A, grow it faster where I would risk losing the quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wasn't just looking to remove the relational component out of that like I am a firm believer in community I'm from a firm believer in family and so the ethos of everything that Sittertree is about is how do you really build a community where there's trust and trust technology is a gift but to be able to build trust with technology mm-hmm. um, that's where the secret sauce of Sittertree kind of comes in so I wanted to the first thing to do was as we continue to build our tech or our web app out Um, what things do we need to put in place to automate so that we can scale Um, and then divide out what things are we again not going to automate and so just making those decisions the technology piece was definitely number one on that Um, and then at the time I was kind of doing all this so I started to build the team and I looked first within like our, my own sitters because I had these committed sitters who had already proven themselves. Um, and over the All last very
0: well educated like people you can trust. Yeah, absolutely. Grateful. Yeah.
1: And and honestly, I that has been one of the biggest learning curves for mm-hmm. me is who not only who can do the job well, but who also works with my personality, which sure. is growing, dreaming, uh, you know, having more ideas than I know what to do with. Certainly. Mm-hmm. So over the years, I now have a team of four people and, um, exceptional women that the character competency and chemistry, those Mm -hmm. are the three things that I've kind of looked at and all of them, um, look at sitters the same way and families. So it's truly a, this is, this is not a user. This is part of our community. And Mm -hmm. how do we listen and serve the needs that that family uniquely has, Mm -hmm. um, Or how do we even with sitters? We recognize that sitters are typically um, college age or young professionals. Sometimes this is their first professional experience and we're actually professionalizing babysitting because we expect you to show up on time, um, be dressed appropriately, follow directions, engage, communicate effectively. So those are the skills that you can take into any job. And so with our sitters, as we're receiving reviews, each of those four coordinators is actually making sure if there's, a, if, there's, if there's a trend with a specific sitter that she can go back and say, hey, Sally, sitter, um, right. let's talk about this. Let's, let me help you um, see how you might be able to change that to be able to improve your ratings.
0: So there's a major developmental uh, element to, to what you do. And like you said, you know, next time better than the last time, basically just yeah. with the feedback that you're able to get.
1: And we, so we average 98% five-star ratings from families. Oh, wow. And that's over the last three years. So uh, we actually, we don't provide training for our sitters, but it's more so just even when we surveyed the sitters to figure out what is it that you want most, um, quite honestly, like words of affirmation were hmm. of the top two, two things. And so we now know that if Sarah Bath, who's the head of our sitter program, if she can help those sitters to feel appreciated and to be set up for success, um, then the sitters also are part of something. And they're not only getting um, – like Oglethorpe students, since we launched S- Sitter Tree, Oglethorpe students alone have made over $100,000 in babysitting money. And so – and that's just a handful of students. And so if we can keep them in the community longer and they feel like they belong, then it's not just answering a dollar question for them. It's actually giving – them kind of a family, like for me, babysitting gave me a family away from Ohio and I'm yep. still in touch with Katie Barksdale. I'm still, you know, like I'm still in touch with a number of the families that I was the babysitter yeah. because
0: that's how important it was to me also. Sure, so yeah. why why Sitter Tree? How did that name come about?
1: That's a fun question. I actually, um, at the time Sitter City, there was the, these massive uh, platforms that were launching but it was a lot of the connection with none of the relationship. Wow. And so uh, for me, growing up on a small farm in Ohio, um, f- what I envision when I think of babysitters was this literally this giant oak tree that we had where it's there's a swing under it. It's like your neighborhood. It's, it's a little bit of the Leave it to Beaver as far as um, 1950s um, true neighborhood where you knew your neighbor and w- where you weren't sure. so busy that you even knew your neighbor's 15-year-old daughter that eventually would come over and be your babysitter.
0: Right. And so
1: I wanted to kind of take the idea of a city and oppose that with the idea of something that's organic and natural and um, really kind of brings people back to an old school kind of remembrance of what the trust. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, like you said, anybody who can design an app can put together the basic You know, infrastructure for a babysitting uh, conglomerate or service, Mm -hmm. but it seems like where you guys are really differentiating yourselves is that small town, just uh, very trustworthy type feel with with the interactions. Is that is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, and the thing that I think what we are trying to prove is that you can scale that. Hmm. So scale sometimes seems like it's contradictory to local and, um, but there. Obviously, there are ways to be able to take a local feel and be able to share that with more people, um, and our, our, we use technology to do that in part. Sure. Um, the things that you know, we measure what matters to us, um, we and we do a lot of measurement on our back end. So a lot of people who do build a basic scheduling app don't have the rigorous um, back end elements that we are looking at, and they also um, so. Um, we've also part of what we've wanted on at Sitter Trees, we want to engage fathers. So now our app is so simple that your husband can book the babysitter. <laughs> You're welcome, moms of Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: it's funny because in my house, because it's an app, I would have to be the one to book the babysitter. Oh, really? The, uh, babysitter. <laughs> my wife would say, Is there a phone number I can just call? That's <laughs> and, so funny. Well, we have both. No. Out. <laughs> there you go. There you go.
1: So I do think that. When I say the local feel what I don't want to confuse it with is that we're only trying to serve Atlanta because we I mean again We're about to do our 25,000th job and this year we will yeah. cross more than 40,000 jobs And we are trying to scale we're trying to go outside of Atlanta mm-hmm. but we are trying to be very thoughtful about which levers that we pull to to release and to scale and then which ones that we really maintain um, a closer touch so that so that people who are using it, people like your family, your wife, sure. you feel like there's a high touch, high quality, um, you know, strategic, um, I guess, just component to what we're doing so that right. you're not just getting a sitter that, I mean, who knows this girl? Who knows that, you know, like yeah. you're you're really getting someone that someone has handpicked and done everything that you and your wife would do to select her.
0: So, Jody, in speaking about scale, when you start the thing at Oglethorpe, it's very easy to, to know all the sitters, to know all the families you're working with. When you start to scale that and grow, it seems like there's got to be some growing pains involved with that. What were the challenges when you really branded the branded sitter tree and, and launched it into the world? What were the challenges that maybe you had to take a step back and say, okay, I didn't think about that. How do we address that and continue to, to grow forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly to get the name out there and get set- sitters to register hmm. um, in the beginning, quite honestly. Now, I would say the supply is the significantly easier part of it. Hmm. But in the beginning, when we started growing outside of Oglethorpe, um, it was like, where, you know, where are we going to find the high quality of sitters that we are looking for? Um, and so one of the pain points there is when your supply is low and your demand is growing, you are and you want to you want to still say we have a 99 percent fill rate so we wanted to maintain that and so it was the the amount of work that we were doing behind the scenes and we being myself and a part-time someone that i was having work 10 hours a week um, the amount of work to actually get those sitters applying assigned and then showing up so one of the things that sitter tree does is that if your sitter cancels we are then going to work with you to find an alternate sitter right. um, that can be within an hour. That can yeah. be within two hours. So there's a lot that goes behind <laughs> the scenes and we wanted our families to feel like the mom is not even having to think about the difficulty sure. of assigning a sitter because all you, all she has to do, all you have to do as, as the dad is put in the request. And then the only thing that you feel on the other side is that your assigned sitter is calling you. Right. So in the beginning, um, a finding, the, the sitters that we wanted to sign up and then be coming to the qual- level of quality that we wanted um, so right now for every five sitters that that registers we will approve about one of them I mean we were truly taking the yeah. cream of the crop and so we have to have massive amounts of registrations in order to be able to select the highest quality one so that was one pain point is just sure. matching the supply and the demand and that's an ongoing one because you know, we can bring our sit- sitter supply up, but you don't want to have too much supply because we also want our sitters to be getting jobs. Right. And if sitters aren't getting jobs, they're not happy. So then you've got to bring
0: up the level of
1: demand from the so families and the So it's balance
0: groups. that you kind of have to strike. Yeah. So how many times were you on your way to dinner or a movie and you got a call that one of Lord, your sitters can't The Lord, Lord. And, and you, <laughs> the, uh, the buck stopped with you and you had to head to that house. Let's
1: just say that I... Um, I can remember three years ago. So that is the thing, the end of what you just said, I had to head to that house, that has happened. And now I actually started doing it about two years ago where I said, okay, instead of now me having to be the one to do it, I'm gonna choose to be the one to do it in Mm -hmm. certain circumstances so that I can keep my finger on the pulse of the community. And all of the full-time coordinators do the same thing. So whether it's like about twice a year, whether it's a church job or it's a family job, some parent is going to see me as the founder. And oftentimes I'm like older than the mom, right? So like, yeah. I walk in and the mom's like, hi. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm not sure what you think about Tree, not that the founder's here, but really it's just because A, I love kids and B, I yes. want to make sure that I understand this. But I, I'm i not going to say rage, but there were definitely moments when I'm sure. like, what, how can you cancel 15 minutes beforehand? And we had, we've actually now... That was part of the secret sauce of figuring out what incentivizes or motivates sitters not to cancel. Mm. Um, How can you identify people who understand that even if you're able to fill a job for a family, like refill a job, it's still a last-minute change. And no mom wants – and, again, I speak to the moms because typically the burden does fall on them. But to have that last-minute change when you've got your concert tickets and you've got – you know, no one likes that. And so – yeah, we figured out the the levers, and now we've we've encouraged our sitters. You know, cancellations for illness or emergency only, because, and you know that covers a broad. People are going to get sick, yeah. and you you don't want me sending a sick sitter to your
0: house. Not at all. So
1: you want them to cancel, but <laughs> that's yeah. going to take your whole family down.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, that's a ballistic missile that's going to cost me the next two weeks of my I life. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, I had a feeling when you went down that that uh, that path that that story was going to end with Jody had to step in a lot at the last minute and oh. put out some fires.
1: And can I just say the other thing is the the rolling over in the middle of the night, and I used to really think, this is a miracle that I just happened to have to get up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water, and I saw that there was a sitter <laughs> cancellation at 3 a.m. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you know, like yeah, yeah. just for the, the luck of being able to catch those, because again, we've had this 99% fill rate, right. and when it was just me, and uh, honestly, when I was in Sierra Leone and doing this, I was, the time difference is four to five hours, and so I would literally, you know, by the time things in Atlanta were happening, I had already been up four to five hours, so sure. I could, you know, have delayed management of the community while in right. West Africa.
0: So tell me about your growth. I saw, I guess, uh, news here recently that you're expanding to Athens. Is yes. That right?
1: Yeah. We started in January, and so um, the purpose in going to Athens, we're looking at communities surrounding the greater Atlanta area where we already have our center base is always is already we've got a number of UGA students. Sure. And so why not go and just expand our family base in that area? Um, so UGA is the first place where we are kind of going, and then we are looking at, um, you heard it here first, um, <laughs> Peachtree City as okay. one of those. Um, definitely growing up, you know, the 85, hundred, seventy-five. Um, 75. Sure. We have a large sitter base at Kennesaw, so growing up 75 has been easier for us. Right. And then we've been looking at Birmingham as another, like, next step. And so our hope is definitely to begin to spread to other cities outside of Atlanta. Was
0: there a, um, you know, a certain person found out about Tree or maybe you got in a certain publication, was there a big break where all of a sudden you saw a massive spike in demand all of a sudden that you, great, we got more people wanting our service, but sort of, again, panic mode of, do we have enough sitters to fill to fill the demand?
1: You know, I would say that was slowly creeping around, along, and then we did this podcast.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So I would say we have not had, it's been so much largely word of mouth, right. because we've got a few, either moms telling other moms on Facebook or you know, obviously within our app we've got where you can share or you can recommend a sitter. And so that's been great great. for moms to be able to share kind of like you can trust it because here's an actual sitter that I use and let me share my sitter with you. Um, but we have not had, we are in the process of building a native app that'll launch this summer. And so we're hoping that that will help a little bit with the, the sharing, but, um, Quite honestly, our sitter recruitment program is so well refined now that we can, if you told me tomorrow we needed, if you told me you needed like several hundred sitters by the end of the month, I think we could
0: easily go out and fill that. Small businesses always look a little different to different people. We got the opportunity to hear from another member of the Sitter Tree team, one who started as a sitter and now has a front row seat into the day-to-day operations of the company.
1: Bree is my inspiration as far as when I think of the young women who are involved in sitter tree because we are picking top talent and we're just fanning the flame yeah. of what is already there. So Bree, um, Bree Taylor started off as a sitter for us. Um, and then was rocking it and getting abnormally large tips for just how awesome (laughs) she was with people's children. Um, And then, um, so we invited her to be one of our campus coordinators, which is the eight month program. Um, And even during that, I remember just looking at um, her ability to bring people on board her personality is one that stands up in front of people and everyone flocks to her and so that's actually not my personality so i was one of the people flocking to her Um, and so she did the eight-month program and then somehow we landed her as our full-time sometimes instead of marketing coordinator we call her the marketing department because she's (laughs) the only one Um, and so it's amazing um the amount of work that she does but it truly is showing like um Someone who uh, we we say like good sitters are great employees sure. because um, she has she showed every step of the way um, how she could excel and so with that I introduce you to the marketing department <laughs> Miss Labretia
0: Taylor. Hey Bree, how are you today? Good, thank you. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for coming. Of course. But now I'm. Jody has painted a, a really pretty picture. Too pretty. <laughs> so you got a lot to live up to. Yeah. But also I want to ask you from you know somebody who didn't start the business initially, what was it that attracted you to Cedar Tree right off the Right off uh, right off the job.
2: Well, one, being a college student, you needed money. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and I okay. could not call my parents every single weekend saying, Hey, can you send me more money? My mm-hmm. mom was gonna hang up on me. <laughs> so I had to figure it out. So I had a friend tell me about Cedar Tree. Was like, There's like this babysitting group run by an alumni, and I'm like, Okay, great, as an alumni, of course it's gonna be good, you yeah. know. <laughs> so that's how I kind of found out about it and I started to babysit. I had just finished playing volleyball for Oglethorpe and I was like, I have okay. a lot of free time, I need something to fill up my time with, so that kind kind of became my next step and it was it was awesome it was easy I mean sometimes it was a no-brainer
0: thing. sure yeah so when things go that well nine times out of, out of ten it's because you really click with the people yeah. that are involved with it what was it about uh, the relationships with Jody and the other people mm-hmm. at, at Sitter Tree that that just kind of jived with you
2: yeah I would say Jody in particular she is really big on mentorship and just build, building community like she mentioned earlier like she's when she said that she's for real about it she sure. means it um, and so even when I had finished the internship program and I still have my senior year I would always call her we would have like monthly or quarterly check ins <laughs> just for like mentoring purposes and helping me through my senior year so when she says community like that's who she is yeah. that's what she's concerned about most about Tree. no matter how much we scale she wants community to all be always be the first thing that's happening for us but when I was you know looking for jobs I didn't want to go to grad school right away or nursing school and so Jenny was like well I'm thinking about a marketing coordinator. Let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Um, and so I kind of felt like my interview was us having coffee and a chat about <laughs> 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 what the yeah. job would be. Those are
0: the best. Yeah, those are the best. <laughs> it didn't
2: feel like an interview. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when I signed my contract saying, You got me. I'm hmm. here. She was um, getting on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> she emailed so quickly. He was like, I'm so excited to have you. Um, but it-, it was a big a jump from going from like just babysitting sophomore year, sure. you know, after I leave class um, to now I'm on the back end like I'm seeing everything that's happening day to day and so a lot of times when I'm talking to sitters and they're you know may have fr- frustration sometime I'm like I understand yeah. I can come from that place they're like trust me I truly do understand I was in your shoes at one yeah. point so
0: no that's super valuable yeah. for you too Jody, to have um, you know somebody there that has kind of been through the war you know <laughs> and can kind of talk through yeah. uh, you know talk through some of those things but Bree, I want to know as the marketing department now <laughs> party of you one. know jody obviously can can tell the story from the beginning kind of in parallel to her personal journey with mm-hmm. sitter tree what's the story or the message that that you're telling as as uh, marketing czar yeah. of uh, yeah. sitter tree what's that that initial impression that you want to make with either a sitter or a family
2: I would think going back to community, because me starting as a sitter, intern, and now full-time staff, it just kind of shows that we are devoted to the sitters that we bring on to our community. Yeah. It shows that there's a relationship, because it's very few times where people can start as just like an employee or intern sure. and make their way to the top. Like that, that's very hard to do. And for us to be such a small community in Atlanta doing this, it, it really does speak volumes.
0: Sitter Tree is a well-oiled machine now, continuing to grow and beginning to expand to additional markets. But I had to ask Jody one last question. Is running this company still as fulfilling as it was back at the beginning? And if so, what are the things that give you that feeling? That feeling that it's all been worth it.
1: That is a fantastic question, because I have two places I go for that. Number one is I have um, an email label in my email account that says, uh, Sweet Why Emails. So when I get an email from a sitter or family that just says, oh, my gosh, like this is an answer for what our family needed to be able yeah. to – for our marriage or for um, – just for myself personally as a sure. as a mom to be able to get out, I save those emails because they mean the world. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I actually go through the reviews. So our coordinators review every single review. They go through every every day. Um, but I go through the family reviews because when I see – what a mom who either, we have a lot of first time moms that they've never booked a sitter. So no grandparents in town, you know, like no family, no other options. We're going to be booking a sitter through an online, you know, app. Um, And when I see their reviews um, about how surprised they were or about how it's basically boiling down to peace of mind, but it's even more than peace of mind, because it's peace of mind is like, okay, I know my kids are going to be alive and safe when I come back, but they are raving about this, not just a babysitter. They're, you know, by name, you know, Victoria was incredible. Jacqueline was incredible. And so when I read that um, from moms, that for me is like, that's why we do what we do.
0: So are you listening to this podcast at home, trying to drown out the sound of the little ones in the background, wondering when your next night out might be? I think it's time you gave sitter tree a shot. You can sign up as a family or a sitter at SitterTree.com or find them on social media at SitterTree. And don't forget to tell them Atlanta Born and Brand sent you. Atlanta Born & Brand is a production of Connext Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connextatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, You can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. Hopefully you noticed that this week our credits music is from local artists right here in Atlanta. We are happy to present Rashawn's single, Pray For This, off his debut mixtape, No Previews. For Atlanta Born & Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon. I remember I would pray for this, my whole lifetime I couldn't wait for this, now I know